All right, good evening, good evening. And once again, thank you for listening to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. It's a, it's a duo instead of a trio this evening. Um, I'm KG, joined by Doc. Wildcat um, is spending time with family, loss of a, a relative. So we ask the listeners to send prayers and condolences to him and his family and the friends. Sure as well so doc uh let's not be too somber let's talk about let's do what we do so how you doing i'm doing pretty well doing pretty well excited about uh like basketball players just college basketball in general both on the men's and women's side but particularly as you know how i do it and we do it uh looking a little closer at hbcus but this saturday went down to prairie view as they hosted their rival, Texas Southern University. And boy, was it a big weekend for the Panthers. They actually took down both the men's and women's uh, Texas Southern Tigers basketball program. I'm still looking at the date to see exactly when the last time it's happening. We have some key stake points. We know this hasn't happened since Dr. Charles McCullough, the VP of Intercollegiate Athletics, has taken over at Texas Southern University, so it hadn't happened over the last nine years. We know in terms of the women's side, it hadn't happened for women to get the sweep as they beat Texas Southern early this season at home as we open up the season essentially third week, second week in the season, mm-hmm. third game, I should say. Um, and so Texas Southern's women's basketball uh, has been swept by the Lady Panthers uh, as of yesterday. And they really pulled away in the second half, getting it done in that matchup. Uh, good, great post play. And went to work there. And then you come back and um, the men get it done. And they uh, pretty much grabbed control of that game from the beginning. There were some ebb and flows. <sighs> Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. Bless it looked you. like Texas would make a little run to come back. But uh, they virtually, the Panthers had control of that game from the tip-off. You could tell they were really mostly round up. Um, the weird thing about the way SWAC schedules is, for one of these teams, the first game is during the break before students come back. So in this term, it was at Texas Southern early during the break, and so it was obviously in school for the Prairie View part of the matchup this past Saturday. And so Prairie View was represented. A lot of students, a lot of alumni down, a probably near-capacity crowd. Good, good. Those that were actually seating, it was about 90 95% packed. If you look at for those that were kind of meandering around the outside of the dome and talking to different people, it was a sellout in terms of uh, tickets there. Uh, so... And the Prairie View crowd was into the game. The band was there. They were electrifying. Chance started chanting at different points in the game, particularly for the men's game when they saw the men were getting it done. Uh, big plays, dunks, uh, fast breaks, great steals, a lot of hustle going on there. Just Southern coach Mike Davis got a tech, and so fans got into that a little bit. Uh, but a well-played game in terms of the hustle, big plays back and forth, so. For those Panther fans out there, it's a great weekend to be a Panther. And uh, reading some of the the game summaries that the school send to the media, 
PV Lady Panthers did a seemingly a outstanding job defending Joyce Kennison. TCU's Joyce Kennison held her to a season low four points, and she only, only took eight shots, only made one shot. But the fact that she only took eight shots indicates to me that they must have just swarmed her with two, three, four people and, and you know, denied her from getting the ball and just basically said, all right, rest of you, Lady, Lady Tigers, y'all got to beat us. And based on the fact TSU scored only, uh, I think, 48 points, if they were not able to get the job done in PV and uh, Coach Raven Justice and her coaching staff were able to sweep Coach Renetta Hayes, Perry, and the Lady Tigers with two wins this season. And I, but I still, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Doc, I think um, THU is seven and three in SWAC play and in, in PV six and four. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. That so, is correct. So that is interesting. PV has beaten THU twice, but they lost other, they lost four other games in SWAC play. So, yeah, what, including like Alabama State is four and six. Uh, they've lost to all four in the five and five. This is an indication where they've stumped their toe against teams that are at the bottom, uh, including um, Arkansas Pine Bluff. So it's weird. They play with such emotion against Texas Southern University. Somehow they're going to have to find a way to push that over. Obviously, they did that against Southern at home. And so they have some talent there. they got big play from the post. Uh, again, as you said with Joyce Kennison, they essentially uh, doubled her early. But when she got it uh, – got the ball in the sets. Um, they just came and double tried to get the ball out of her hands. And they played very tenacious defense. Uh, and then they started getting some shots to go. And Texas Southern, you can tell, was in trouble. So they're going to have to find another score because uh, you can imagine some other teams are going to try to do that. Obviously, you need to have players uh, that can do it even if that's what you want to do. But you're exactly right. Texas Southern is now in a three-way tie second place with uh, Jackson State and Gremlin, uh, with uh, Jackson State and Gremlin getting uh, both big wins against uh, their rivals uh, in this matchup earlier as Jackson State defeated Alcorn and Gremlin defeating Southern, which means Southern now goes to 8-2, and two, which is a break for Texas Southern in regards to just staying one game back of the leader of the pack, Southern Jaguars. Uh, but the Jaguars, unlike Texas Southern, who obviously played the rival game, so they only have one game this weekend, you will see um, now the Southern-Jackson State matchup uh, for this part of it. So you have 8-2, and 7-3 team. Uh, Jackson State has won two in a row, and obviously Southern's one in a row. Anytime you get that interstate rival uh, uh, between the Louisiana, Mississippi schools, Jackson State and Southern, it doesn't matter what they seem to play in. It's always big. So that's going to be an interesting one. And then, obviously, you have Gremlin all for it. So Gremlin needs to find a way to continue their winning ways after winning three straights, uh, try to defeat all for that's lost two straights in, in another rivalry game, if you would, on Monday. So it should be interesting after Monday to kind of see how things shake up at the top of the women's uh, standings as you have some key matchups as we start the second leg of the season uh, in this matchup. And this weekend starts officially the second half uh, of the season as you played your first nine games uh, the previous week. And, of course, for listeners who don't know, forgot, or are not aware, the SWAC Championship Basketball Championship 
will still be played in Houston. I believe the, the quarterfinals first round are on campus, the campus site. Correct. And the uh, semifinals and the championship, championship game will be at Del Mar Fieldhouse, right? That's correct. Uh, Del Mar will have semifinals and finals um, until uh, the revamped and reverbers arena over there or gym so to be be interesting to see how they do the marketing for that uh, obviously we've told everybody a little before that they have an interim commissioner so the SWAC is doing uh, their work in terms of moving forward with a permanent commissioner but uh, Gantt has his role cut out as he tries to get it done to make sure they can pull this off uh, he's been abreast about this he's won a lot of the championship so he certainly understands what it takes from going up moving forward. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see that matchup. This should, this should be, uh, that final four, particularly for the women's side, and it looks like now for the men in a lot of ways, but certainly for the women's side, it's going to be interesting that final four. It should be some good matchups no matter where the game is played. And switch shifting gears into the men's side with TSU. Final four. Sure. For that women's side, 65, Lady Panthers, 65, Texas Lady Tigers, 48, 65-48. And the men, Prairie View, dropped almost, put 100 on TSU at 96-82 in their victory. TSU, is, uh, the men are 6-4 and four in swag play, because I know they didn't, didn't win any game in yeah, non-conference. I'm not sure if you think about it, Mike has probably uh, lost four games in total this last season since he's got here. Yeah. Lose four in a season. First time he's lost in at home this early in the season, first half as well. So, yeah, they're having some trouble uh, in terms of uh, just playing as a cohesive unit. Some of that's the injuries. Obviously, we talked about the fact that they lost uh, the point guard, Trey Jefferson. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed like they had put things together to play without him. Uh, but also in a lot of ways, I think this game in a lot of ways had more to do with Prairie View and the spirit that they came with really wanting to get this done and make a statement than it was with Texas Southern. And I'm not sure the Texas Southern players, since you have some of these transfers, if they quite understand what it means to go into the Beehive and how the Tigers being the top of the mountain, not necessarily this season, but in the past, how a lot of folks have done it for them. I'm not sure if these players really understand that and get a grip with that in terms of just how hard they got to play. So Gary Blackstone scored 18 of his 29 points in the first half. As Prairie View really just dominated early in this and just held held on. And um, uh, Texas Southern scored some garbage points uh, late in the game to kind of make it a little closer than it really was. So, yeah, Gary had 29 and Zach Hamilton had 26. So, yeah, they, they put it on TSU, and now both of them are 6-4 and four in the SWAT. But the uh, leader of the, in the conference is uh, Pine Bluff at 9-1. and one. So, yeah, who, who would have thought that? Pine Bluff on top and TSU is 6-4. So, you know, it's one of those strange things in the SWAT. Yeah, it's really interesting, some of those matchups. Pine Bluff uh, just continues to find uh, ways to win. They've had some close games. They took their loss a couple of games, but they've won the last two, so they're in it. But the hottest team uh, that uh, is really playing some good basketball is actually Grambling State, which is really surprising. 
They're sitting at seven and three, and they've won seven straight games. This is after getting off to an zero and three start, where many people won the bear and rightfully so. You get zero three. Um, they've got a big victory, and part of that was against Texas Southern. They seem to just be rolling as they've gotten their confidence. Now they beat Southern, and they actually had a one point game and held off, not allowing Texas Southern to really get a good look at a last second shot. They take down their rival at home, and they, as we said earlier, they, they actually sweep. They do this both on the men's and women's side as Grand State Tigers get it done against Southern, which means Southern goes to 5-5 five and five, while Grand is sitting at 7-3. So it's very interesting. And we just talked about, you know, the four-team finals and, and the fact that the, quarter, the quarterfinals are at home, both men's and women's basketball. So those top four teams are really looking to kind of solidify them positions in the top four spots because you get to have a home game. Because right. the SWAC goes 18, so the last two teams do not get a bid to the tournament. You take eight, uh, which your first four play at home, bringing the last four in for a total of 18. And obviously that's both on the men's and women's side. So in a lot of ways, these teams are looking to find a way, how do I stay up at the top. So even though Arkansas probably has a two-game lead and really playing solid, while you would love to catch them, what you're really starting to look for if you don't feel you can get, uh, catch them, while you do want to win to try to maintain that position where you're really fighting for is to be in that top four spot. So that matchup for Prairie View, 64 to 60, uh, both of them at 6-4, and four, and the fact that they got that point differential against uh, Texas Southern as Texas Southern had a big lead that they squandered in that matchup winning uh, by, what, four points earlier? Mm-hmm. So now if there's a tie break, Prairie View has the tie break, which is the second tie break. You get first head-to-head. Obviously, they split, and the second one is point differential. So now Prairie View has a point differential. So obviously, we're looking a bit of head, but I thought that was a new, nice nuance to kind of put out there to get you some indication of why that victory is big just for getting it done at home. The sweep, as we told you, hadn't been done in a long time. But the fact that they won in the margin of fashion they did also gives them a tiebreak against Texas Southern if it comes out at the end of the season. And and wouldn't that be something for PV and TSU to play each other in the quarterfinal at Prairie View and PV <laughs> somehow wins a game and ends TSU season in the quarterfinals? Nobody would have thought that before the season began, that TSU would be done in the quarterfinal of the SWAC championship game. So, yeah, that's certainly, and uh, <laughs> that's how the matchup would go right now. Obviously, it's early, but it's kind of fun to do that. You would have Southern going into Jackson. Check that out. Again, that's yeah. a huge cover. And then you have uh, Alabama State going into Grambling, and then Alcorn State going into Arkansas Pine Bluff. That's how you have it on the um, – men's side, so that's uh, pretty interesting when you think about that in a lot of ways. Uh, on the women's side, just for some fun uh, to look at it, you would have Southern hosting Alabama A&M. You would have Texas Southern. We'd have to kind of look at that uh, tiebreaker game there because you have three teams, but we'll just uh, keep it in alphabetical order at this time, overall record. So Texas Southern essentially hosting Alabama State. Jackson State hosting Alcorn and Grambling hosting Prairie View. So uh, it's going to be interesting kind of week to week to kind of look and see how these things shake up and how things fall out. Obviously, big matchups uh, this weekend. Uh, and so we'll see that uh, on the men's side. 
as we talked about uh, Grambling uh, going into Alcorn in terms of hosting that matchup. So it should be interesting and fascinating to see what takes place in Southern uh, going in to play uh, Jackson. So good basketball, a lot of basketball going on there uh, in terms of some of those matchups. Give you some scores so you can see how things kind of went down uh, Saturday. Alabama State uh, got it done against Mississippi Valley State, 89-85. That's an overtime. The Valley gets their first victory of the season two weeks ago, playing uh, very good basketball in terms of competitiveness. And the indication is, is that they take both Grambling last weekend on the Monday night to overtime and lose, but this time they on the road and try to get it done Excuse me, they were at home hosting Alabama State, um, and it went to overtime as well and just can't get it done. Boy, I tell you, that's a heartbreaker there. Uh, told you about the Prairie View over Texas Southern, 96-82. And you have Jackson State just getting by Alcorn State, 60-57. to Jeremiah Jefferson hit five, hit five three-pointers and scored 17 points. As Chaz Franklin sank a three to win the game with 16 seconds. Uh, Big-time matchup there. Grambling defeats Southern 69-68. Ivy Smith Jr. scored 20 points. Devontae Jackson added 15 points as Grambling uh, holds off Southern again as they couldn't get a good shot at the end of that game. And Arkansas Pine Bluff just pound Alabama A&M as McKnight continues to do his thing. As he's looking at that player of the year in a lot of ways. He scores 30 uh, to get it done, 30 points, and grabbed 10 rebounds as he had uh, triple double because he dished out ten assists, mm. so thirty and ten. Uh, give some kudos to Martavius McKnight. Need to make sure we spout him out anytime you get the triple double, especially at uh, thirty points on the triple double, thirty ten and ten. That's something to be said. Swag uh, getting it done with some of these triple doubles as we had the young lady do a couple of weeks ago, and she had she had quadruple double in right. that but they give you some indication of what's going on there, some big-time scores. Gave you some top matchups. Uh, while I have you, let me scoot over and give you something out of the MIAC as they had some big matchups this weekend as they're looking to get things done as well. Uh, but Thorne Cookman continues their winning ways, sitting at 6-2. and two. They defeat Poppin State 80-60, to 60, really pounding. Uh, Davis scored 22 points and 14 rebounds for his double-double. North Carolina Central, they bounce back after a tough loss to North Carolina A&T. They arrived last weekend. They get it done against Delaware State, 72-61. They continue to hold Delaware State to Hornets winless that are just 2-22 and on the season, but 0-9 in the media. Well, Sean Davis had matched his career high with 23 points and grabbed 10 rebounds to lead, lead the Eagles over uh, the Hornets of Delaware State. North Carolina A&T continues to hold on to their first-place momentum. They're sitting at 7-1, 14-9 overall. They're playing some really good basketball. Defeating Hampton is just 4-4 four four in the NEAC, 92-84. Devarius McGowan continues to get it done. He scored 21 points. Cameron Langley had 17 points with seven assists in the matchup. And Howard just nipped out Florida A&M, the rattler. Howard improves to 4-4 four four in the season while FAMU falls to 3-6 in the conference race. That game did go to overtime as R.J. Cole scored 24 points with five rebounds and eight assists in the matchup against the Rattlers of Florida A&M. Savannah State uh, is winning, and they're putting up points, playing some very exciting basketball. They sit at 8-1 as they try to make sure they match wits with North Carolina A&T. 
They defeat South Carolina State, but fell to four and five on the season, one hundred and eleven to ninety nine. Boy, you talking about some exciting points going there? Reminds you of those Rockets in a lot of ways, putting up them points in three. Dexter McLeod, McLeod, I think is how you pronounce it. Twenty twenty three points and ten rebounds and five assists as he gets it done against Savannah for Savannah State and Norfolk State. The Spartans on the men's side defeat Morgan State seventy six. The 65, Stephen Whitney scored a career-high 20 points and seven assists um, as Nick Thomas also scored 20 points in that matchup. Big-time game for the MEAC men in basketball. Also, before we give you some breakdown on the records uh, for the MEAC, uh, Tennessee State has won four straight as they get back in the race to the OVC at 7-5 and five now and, and are uh, behind the top five teams in the conferences, they lead to look like they're positioning themselves for OVC postseason play and trying to climb up the ladder when we looked like earlier and we left them for dead. But getting back to the MEAC in terms of who's hot, who's not, Savannah State, as I told you, they continue to win. Well, this is their seventh straight uh, victory. North Carolina uh, has won two straight and six out of the last seven games, including a big win over North Carolina Central. Central bounces, like I told you, so they're uh, 6-2, and two, uh, sitting in the third position or second behind Savannah State and North Carolina. You see North Carolina's a half game back as Savannah State is 8-1 and the Aggies are 7-1. Tied with North Carolina Central at 6-2 is Bethune-Cookman. Uh, that gives you the top four teams in the conference there. And right behind them, we'll throw in Norfolk State Spartans because they are playing some good basketball, winning three straight uh, as they get it done. Also, a uh, little thing here that might catch your eye is, although Howard just comes to 4-4 four and four, uh, on the season, closed out in the first half, essentially they won four straight. So after going 0-4, uh, they look good as they won four straight. And obviously we told you about Delaware State struggling as their loss uh, has gotten to 18 straight games uh, to give you some indication there. Let's give some love to the women. Uh, in regards to what's going on there, kind of look at the records for uh, MEAC in terms on the women's side and tell you who's hot uh, on that side of it. Bethune Cooking getting it done, 8 0 in the Thomas race with eight straight wins, sitting behind them trying to keep pace is North Carolina A&T, although they had their first conference loss of the season, sitting at 7 and 1. And then you have Hampton that is sneaking right around. Two straight wins after a uh, loss there. They improved to 6-2. and two. And Norfolk State to give you the top four programs on the women's side in terms of the standing of Norfolk State. The Spartans, Lady Spartans there, are 5-3. and three, And they took their second consecutive loss. So they're falling precipitously in terms of what's taking place there to use some indication on some of the NEAC SWAT. Morehouse, we gave them a lot of love. But they took an L uh, as a uh, tough matchup this past weekend uh, on the men's side. But let's go to the SIC on the women's side as Clark Atlanta gets a big win against Benedict as they travel up to South Carolina. They improved to 12-2, and 14-7 overall, playing some really uh, good basketball. And they have pretty much control of the Eastern Division of SIC as the next closest Competitors Claflin, the Panthers, the Lady Panthers of Claflin uh, are at nine and four and thirteen and ten overall. 
if you move down to the West Division, you have the showdown with Central State. Matadors are at 11 and 2 in the conference race, 17 and 4 overall. And if you look at the division side of it, the 5 and 1, similar to Clark and Atlanta being 4 and 1 in terms of those matchups on that side. Let's get back and give you some indication of what's going on on the men's side. Kind of gave you a little hint there in regards to uh, probably the biggest news of the weekend is the fact that Morehouse, uh, the men, uh, took a hit in regards to having that tough loss uh, earlier. As they fall to 13-1 after having 18-0, and 0, they take a tough loss. We'll see if they get bounced back as they start to have some tough matchups with Classman and Benedict that are fighting at the top of the Eastern Division, SIC, and then Clark Atlanta is the one that everybody's really working for. <clears throat> as Clark Atlanta gets a big win, traveling up to South Carolina, much like the women, over Benedict, Improving to 14 and 0 in the conference race, 20 and 1. So they'll probably climb up if they are in the top 25 of the Division Two poll. You'll see Morehouse fall a little bit as they were previous, all the way up to number seven. To give you some indication, some teams are playing really well. On the west side, teams are struggling down there. Uh, for example, the top team on the west division side is Lane, who just sits as eight and seven in terms of conference race. Or conference race, I should say. And just 10 and 10 overall, 6 2 in the division. While you have Clark Atlanta Morehouse division wise, they're 7 0 and 6 0, respectively, uh, for the programs there. Let's see what it looks like in the CIAA. Talking about the women program, told you to keep your eyes on Virginia Union. They do take the first conference loss uh, uh, as they go down. They're now 20 and 2, still spell a record. Overall, top rank, top ten rank, so they'll fall maybe a little bit in the national polls uh, due to that. Sitting at ten and one in foreign run in the division race behind them is Sawan, uh, sitting at sixteen and four. The other program is top rank in the in that side of Virginia State, sitting at nineteen and two. Conference record is nine and two, and sitting in the conference division race, sitting at three and two as they've lost the Virginia Union. And if you go to the Southern Division, much like you've seen on the men's uh, winner's side for uh, the SIC, you have teams sitting at 500 overall. For example, Fayetteville State, Western Salem State sitting at 99 and 10 and 10, respectively. Similar in the conference race, sitting at 5 and 5 and 5 and 6, also respectively. But in the division race, there's Fayetteville State sitting at 5 and 0, oh, and Western Salem State, the Lady Rams sitting at 4 and 1 to give you some indication of what's going on uh, for the women's CIAA basketball. Let's get into the men's side as we start to close up on the ACC report a little bit here. You got Virginia State uh, continuing to play some good basketball, sitting at 18-3 and as their top 25-ranked program, 8-3, and 4-1. They took a tough loss to Bowie State uh, this past week, uh, and Bowie State is tied with them on the division side but just sitting at 11-11 overall, they really pounded Virginia State Trojans. But the Trojans should still rank up there in top 25, find a way to get it done. Southern Division, convoluted in a lot of ways. Johnson C. Smith is trying to pull away, sitting at 14-7 overall, 7-2 in the conference race, but 5-0 in the division, and they have a two-game lead over St. Augustine and Shaw, who are both 3-2 and two on the division side uh, in terms of those matchups. Gulf Coast Athletic Conference on the women's side. Make sure we give them some love. Dillard, 18-3 overall, 6-1. Look to see if they can start getting ranked in the top 25 
uh, after some big week games this past weekend, as they continue to done, uh, they defeat Carolina Smith 75 to 67, as they are playing some good basketball. Talladega sits behind them at, at 5 and 2, 15 and 9 overall. Talladega defeated Suno 95 to 74. Uh, to give you some indication of what's taking place there. Yet a non-conference matchup uh, with Stillman College on the women's side against Xavier. Xavier traveled out to Alabama for that matchup, sitting at 74 and 65. And Stillman does defeat Xavier. Uh, looking at the men of the Gold Coast Athletic Conference, in terms of that matchup, what's going on there on the men's side? You have Talladega, fifteen and six, six and one, sitting right behind them. Dillard, five and two in the conference race, but sitting at fourteen and eight overall. Uh, to give you some indication of what took place in those matchups, Talladega defeats Suno, seventy-seven to fifty-one, and Dillard puts up one hundred and twelve points, just driving Phil Adams Smith in terms of that matchup. Last ones we'll give you is looking at some of those HBCUs in the Red River Athletic Conference right here in Texas. You have Wiley College. It has won six straight, improving to 14 and 8, and 7 and 5 in the conference race right behind them. It's Langston sitting at 7 and 6 and 14 and 8 overall. That places them in fifth and sixth spot at this point in the men's standing. And in terms of the women, to give you some of the HBC programs that are at the top of the conference, you still have Wiley College doing well, but the leader of the pack is Houston Tillerson sitting at 11 and 6 overall. When Six straight game, improving 11-2 in the conference race behind them is Wiley. Uh, Wiley Wildcats, as we talk about, on the winning side, conference race wide set is 7-5. And just 10-9 overall, they've lost three straight games, so they're falling really hard, but it still puts them in position to be in third and fourth position in the basketball standing for the Red River Athletic Conference. That'll do it for the HBCU report on men's and women's basketball for this week. Thanks very much, Doc. And uh, for those who don't know, how can they keep up with you on radio and the Internet? Certainly. You can uh, check me out on social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Trying to see if I'm going to start this poll ranking to give some people some indication of the power rankings of what's going on. Now that we're in conference play and got through the first half of the season, I think it'll be a good time to do it. So look for that to come not in pretty uh, decent fashion. And certainly you can go to Chris' website to get that information, but I'll let him do that. In terms of the radio uh, platforms to listen to me, you can go to Dr. DeVille's Inside HBC Sports Lab. We do that show every Tuesday from 545 to 715 on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. Uh, that is in the KCH studio. You want to catch it live and watch, you can tune in on uh, www.kcoh-tv.com. That's kcoh-tv.com. You can also follow me on Facebook and catch it as we do Facebook Live. Just gave you that at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. You can catch it and we hold our podcast uh, so you can listen to it as you like on SoundCloud. At Dr. Kenyatta Cavill as well. Uh, well, excuse me, on SoundCloud, that's Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. You can always go to the website and get all this information. It's done a little too fast for you right now. 
Let's go to THG-Agency.com, THG-Agency.com, and click on HBC Sports News, and you get all this great information. Fantastic. Thank you once again. And and don't touch on a couple of things, um, U of H, men's and women's, as well as the Rockets. Let me talk about the Rockets first. Uh, they've won four in a row. They're now 38 and, and 18, second best record in the NBA. And they're now only one game in the loss column behind the Golden State Warriors, two games overall because the Rockets have played two less games than Golden State. Golden State is 41 and 12 in 53 games. Rockets have played 51 games and are 38 and 18. Um, what the Rockets did to Cleveland Saturday night on, on national TV was was great. It was awesome. If you're a Rocket fan, <laughs> was uh, to be expected. Rockets just have so much firepower and just overwhelmed Cleveland. And Cleveland is struggling. And I think the Cavs are 7-13 and 13 in the last 20 games. And I didn't even watch the game because I didn't expect it to be competitive. The Cavs are, are a mess. They're in shambles. They're without Kevin Love. Um, Isaiah Thompson is a poor fit on the squad. It doesn't seem like the players are in sync at all. Their defense is a, is a rumor. Um, Teron Lou got a vote of confidence from management after the Rockets' 32-point butt whooping. But what good? What you know? What, how much should we put into that vote of confidence for Coach Lou that they won't fire him? That he'll be the coach throughout the remainder of the season. Cleveland is is a, is a mess. The Cavs need to figure what they're going to do. We've got until February 8th, which is the uh, trading deadline, to see what they're going to do. Um, word is that they are willing to give up the uh, first-round pick they have from the Brooklyn Nets, which will be a very high lottery pick in order to get some young talent back in exchange. But they got to be something because all signs point to LeBron leaving as a free agent in the summer. And I am going to stick with my initial claim that he's going to some way, somehow join the Rockets for the 2018, 2019 season. I know ESPN put out, uh, it was more clickbait kind of thing because in the article, it did not, it said that, that it would allow it have to happen but basically the headline was LeBron would consider signing with Golden State. Well, hell, I would, I would consider signing with Golden State if I could. You know, I mean, what what player who's free agent wouldn't consider signing with Golden State? But for it to happen, A, B, C through Z would have to take place in order for LeBron to become a member of the, the Warriors. So got a lot of discussion, a lot of scuttlebutt. But toward the end of the day, you realize, well, this is just – a possibility in extreme scenario or true what if kind of scenario. So it died down a little bit, but some folks ran with it. Some folks are already questioning LeBron's legacy. If he goes to the Warriors, you're just handing your legacy and Bob, you know, all kinds of stuff. People just run, ran with it. You're bored. You don't have nothing else to do. You don't take time to read the entire article or, or figure out what's going on. Yeah. And understand things. This is, and this is amazing. If he told you that it's nonsense, people still run with it. Right, exactly. So, but not that he would tell you one or the other, but once he did that, you would think you would kind of be like, all right. But it's part of the machine because it did come out on ESPN, and a lot of people that 
talking about it are ESPN pundits. So. Oh yeah, it was, it was ESPN news, and you know, for all their shows for the whole day. So, mission accomplishing that, in you know, for them. Now you said the Rockets, and I've heard that out there. And at one time was the Lakers, while obviously being here in Houston, uh, it would be fascinating to be able to go check out LeBron uh, every so often and with the home team Rockets. But previously, as a Lakers fan, do you think those options are gone, particularly with their team being as young as it is? Uh, they got a big victory today over Thunder, one on the eight to one on the four. They sit at just twenty one thirty one nine seventeen, and trying to figure out uh, how do they continue to improve this young team. Any thoughts on that being realistic? It's not. To, to first, this is you know personally. I don't think it's realistic. I don't believe it's realistic in the sense that even with LeBron being there, him with the young talent that they do have and that they would keep. And you know, ideally, not, not have to give up to get him would be good enough to compete and beat the Warriors. Whereas, if he joined Rockets and you still keep Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella, that can compete and probably defeat the Warriors. So that's part of my reasoning in there. LeBron is too old, in my opinion, to want to start over with a younger team and try to carry them to get past the Warriors, because the Warriors are the cream of the crop. You know, nationally, national media and some folks are, are realizing and seeing how good this Rockets team is. Well, if you listen to these podcasts from the beginning of the That's season. True. I, I, I got to throw one more in there before you poo-poo on all the Lakers fans out there. You know, Paul George and Oklahoma Thunder has lost four straight. They're looking at struggling, so I don't know if Paul George is as happy as everybody, he has his eye going on to L.A. Obviously, it could be the Clippers as well. Um, but does that make a difference? Um, well, it would, you know, it would, yeah, it would have to. Something like that would have to take place. But before – Even get his eye yep. outside maybe what the, the parts and pieces that are here in Houston. Before the Thunder have gone on the losing streak, they were really playing well. And Paul George said – he gave indications and was quoted as saying that he was leaning on re-signing with OKC because of how great a teammate Russell Westbrook is and how Russ has his teammates back in, any, in every situation. So those words, everybody ran with and said, well, see, this is Paul George's first clear indicator that he's willing to re-sign with OKC. Great point. So obviously, you know, that was roughly two weeks ago. Come July, you know, if OKC losing the first round of the playoffs, maybe Paul George, well, maybe he reconsidered and said, maybe this is not where I want to be. Yeah, that, that was part of that eight-game winning streak. Right. So things change, money talks, people will see how things go and scenarios play out and and when it comes time to to be wined and dined was, you know, negotiations can convince people to do different things, consider different things. So the NBA has really done a great job of becoming an, a news entity all year round now. So it'd be a trade, free agency, games on the court. NBA basketball is in discussion almost every day, 24 seven, 
365. So that won't change. And if LeBron becomes a Rocket, so whether Le- it'll be where, where's LeBron going to go? Is LeBron going to go to the Lakers? Is LeBron going to go to Clippers? Is LeBron going to go to the Rockets? Where's he going to go? That'll be part of the main discussion once free agency period begins. That's you know fun part of it. Even if even if the Rockets were to dethrone the Warriors, win a championship this year, Darryl Moore is not going to stand pat. Darryl Moore no. would, would not say, yeah, LeBron, we don't want you, man. We know you're a Hall of Fame player, but no, 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 we're good. You're not going to say that. So, and Rocket fans, there would be some who would say, well, we just won a championship. Why don't we need you? <laughs> you know, but most of them probably be like, oh, no, yeah, we need you. Get LeBron, trying to repeat. Let's work on the dynasty thing. So all those things are out there. It's fun to discuss. Four-game winning streak for the Rockets. All-star break is almost here. They have road game at Brooklyn and at at Miami Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And then they come home for a home game Friday against the Nuggets. See if they can continue this winning streak. So they're playing well. And next next Sunday they have a game against the Mavericks, who are doing better than I thought they would. But this just shows you how good of a head coach Rick Carlisle is. So Rockets are the second best team in the NBA, gaining on the Warriors. I'm not going to spend too much time on the the uh, tweet that Steve Kerr intended to be a direct message on Twitter to somebody where he stated and made fun that the league shouldn't. You know, about the, the James Harden video that the NBA tweeted out on a hard step back three pointer against the Spurs Thursday night. And Steve Kerr basically was critical of the NBA for protecting Harden and not calling travel on one of Harden's patented moves. I think it's a travel. I think it's a right, left, right move. That's three steps. You know, that's, to me, that's a travel. NBA, I read somewhere one of the officials, the heads of the NBA officiating, I think the Eurostep is a travel. But by the definition of how the NBA referees interpret it, the two and a half steps is is legit. So, and they rationalize it and can explain it a way to convince you that it's legit. I still don't agree with it, and I read it and still don't agree with the assessment. But that's how they do it. That's how they view it. The euro step is hard. It's one of his panty moves. So a step back, right, left, right, must be along that same line too. So if it's legit. It's legit. So that's James Harden had another move that I think is a travel, but he, the league disagrees with me. I just cover the NBA. You know, I don't make the rules. So, <laughs> so, so there we go with that. On the collegiate level, the Rice women, I think, are now 18-3, and three, best start in school history, I believe. Um, U of H women, U of H men are both winning. U of H women just – they are the cardiac kooks, Doc. They, I don't know if they do it on, on purpose. I don't know if they get no. bored. They just, yeah. or they, they like a challenge or, you know, whatever. But Saturday, they went on the road, defeating Wichita State 73-62. But it was the eighth time this season that Coach Huey's Cougs have come from behind, trailing by eight or more points to win. So they just find ways to get it done. Jasmine Harris scored 24 points, sophomore Jasmine Harris. So they're continuing to win. They are still 
the big core in that was the third quarter outscoring what's called twenty six to eleven. Yep. As, as you said, making that big as part of that big comeback. And, and in the third quarter, they they made ten of their fifteen field goal attempts. So they trailed by five at halftime, and I think they limited Wichita State to twenty three points in the, in the second half. So eleven points in the third quarter, twelve points in the fourth quarter. So they're finding ways to get it done. They still have an outside, an outside, outside chance of earning a spot in, in the NCAA tournament. But they basically have to run the table, which includes beating South Florida and Central Florida because their last opportunity has quality wins in terms of the selection committee. And then they got to go far in the conference tournament as well. So that is a challenge the team accepts. And they know it. Coaching staff knows it. I don't know if they, I thought they tell the players that, but the coaches know it. And they know the challenge ahead of them and they accept it. And they're going to try to get it done. Men, men are interesting, Doc. I've done a few things yeah. trying to do some writing on to help readers, people who follow me on on uh, my website and Twitter, HoustonRombardview.com and VHR Review. A few weeks ago, three, I, I, I looked at four national bracketologists. Three of the four said U of H was in the tournament. U of H men was in the tournament. Oh. ESPN, Joe Lenardi, well-known bracketologist, CBS Sports, Jerry Palm had him out. Jerry Palm had him out. Two of the others that had them in, I had not really heard of, hadn't followed them, but one of them will have his work appear in USA Today uh, for the, I think, fifth or sixth year in a row starting tomorrow. <clears throat> He's gone. His website is bracket wag wag.com another guy is uh, bracketville so two weeks ago Joel Nardi, bracket wag bracketville had the cougs in roughly all of them had it as an 11 seed in the playing game or as the nca prefers the first four because it's the first round of tournament most folks right. have playing games but you know no no nca it's the first round Fast forward to today, Bracket Wag has him out, but Jerry Palm, Lenardi, and Brackettville have the coups in. So still three out of the four have men. Just a different three of the four. And ironically, one of the indicators has U of H as high as a nine seed. So it's interesting wow. that one metric has U of H as a nine seed and another bracketologist has an out of the tournament completely. <laughs> so you see the, you get an idea of the range of discussion that is involved when it comes to Coach Sampson's Cougars. And mainly the reason is their non-conference schedule was not very good, was not strong overall, and they had a bad loss. Right. They had a bad loss to Drexel in the roughly first weekend of the season. Drexel's RPI is like 220. <clears throat> so that bad loss it counts as part of the full body of work so it is an anchor in a bracketologist viewpoint as a reason for being out of the tournament personally I think that one bad loss 
has been countered by their good wins. One bad loss is not going to kill your chances if you have good wins. The Cougars have good yeah, wins. That win against Wichita was, which was, was very significant. So they have a win of Wichita State that went over Arkansas, that went over Providence, and they picked with Saturday. Saturday they have the road win over UCF, which counts as a Q1 quadrant one win. And my blog post today basically is another detailed explanation of what the quadrants are. It's something new the committee has instituted this season <coughs> Excuse me, to help select the teams, rank the teams, so you can go to my men's who's blog and get more information on that. But I think the Cougars are in the tournament. They have to keep winning. Can't have many bad losses, naturally. They got um, a three-game homestand starting this Thursday, February 8th, against SMU. SMU was injured, short on bodies, but they're still a good team with a good coach. The U of H is trying to get more students to come to the game, especially during this homestand. Cougars win these games. They'll be win these three home games. They'll have 20 wins. And then that's just with three more games, three, I think five more games to go after this homestand. So that's right, five more. They have the ample game. chances to get two things done. <laughs> and I want to touch on real quick, Wednesday, January 31st, they lost to Cincinnati on the road 80-70. to 70. They led the Bearcats 33-15, roughly the 10-minute mark of the first half. And then the Bearcats just walked the Cougars down and pulled away in the second half. But I was able to uh, do an interview with Bearcat Nation to, as a preview of that game, and that's posted <clears throat> on the Houston Ron Barview Facebook page. It's also tweeted out as well. And I think Justin and I are going to do something for uh, the preview of the, the rematch which takes place February 15th. So look for that on my website, if not Bearcat Nation as well. Of course, my website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com, HoustonRoundBallReview.com. <clears throat> and I think, Doc, unless you have other things that on your mind to kick around real quick, you can wrap it up. No, that's all I had. I thought the analysis of mutilation rights, particularly women sitting at 7-1 in the conference, raised a lot of credit. Rice women getting some things done. Great analysis on U of H. So it's going to be fascinating to see some of these races going down the stretch to see who puts themselves in position to either get that enlarged bid or in the case of the slack in the mid, who gets that conference bid, automatic bid. It's going to be fun. Like I said, got to see uh, TSU Mike men's team, Mike Davis, got to get some things turned around because it could be a a very surprisingly short season if they don't. Absolutely. And in this case, uh, it's going to be a challenge to finish the regular season in the first place. That means they won't even have the ability to get that uh, NIT bid. So it's going to look like in a lot of ways this conference is nothing. And I yep. say the final four of the tournament is going to be very interesting. A lot of teams uh, that are playing really good basketball, I don't think uh, 
anybody's intimidated, if you would, by Texas Southern anymore. So it's not necessarily a team that you want to see in the tournament because you know that they have ability. Coaching-wise, get a lot of a lot of things done. But right now, I don't believe anybody's scared of them. And I think that's a key step in the process of the SWAC becoming better top to bottom <clears throat> is uh, believing you, that you can beat and c- compete first and then beat TSU. And real quick, I want to touch on this <clears throat> going backwards. UConn women played South Carolina Thursday, big national matchup, hyped up, <clears throat> no contest. <laughs> <laughs> UConn won by 25. They overwhelmed South Carolina. UConn has too much firepower for South Carolina. Too much firepower for for a lot of teams. They're starting to round into form. There is a matchup. Look at the calendar. It's coming up this month. UConn is playing Louisville because there's Monday matchup. I don't call it a rematch, but it's Mississippi State and South Carolina, who played in the championship game last season, are playing Monday, 6 p.m. on ESPN2, I believe. I don't believe that game is going to be very competitive either. I think Mississippi State is probably the second-best team in the country. Could just argue Baylor or Louisville in the mix as well. <laughs> but you got uh, Mississippi State with this balance. Chair McCowan, big girl, six for seven, can dominate. Victoria Vims, small, small forward, power forward now, all American. And of course, Eddie Betty, who, who's the game winner shot last year to be UConn in their streak, is a point guard. So they can score at all three levels of offense. But let me look up, I want to get the date for when UConn and Louisville play. <clears throat> because when they were members in the same conference, toward the end there, the matchup with height, but Connecticut was still pound Louisville because I don't believe you talk about teams believe they can beat TSU. I don't believe Louisville believe they can beat Connecticut. So I'm kind of curious to see well, if that mentality has changed. The matchup is February 12th, going to be on ESPN 2, 6 p.m. start. And it's at Louisville, so it's going to be on their home court. So be a sold out building. So we shall see. That gives give some indication because you talk about another top ten matchup. I mean, you said it uh, just how dominating it was. Connecticut defeats South Carolina eighty three to fifty eight, and then they jump out on the twenty four sixteen. They really just ran away with it in the second quarter, holding them to eight points as they put up twenty nine in the second quarter. They really just make that uh, game a no contest give some people some indication of what is looking like between the number one team, Connecticut in the country, and everybody else. And that's what it, that's, that's, that's what it is. This game is against Texas right here uh, in terms of that matchup as they travel on the road. That's probably the last time they really seem to have to struggle through a game. And, and honestly, the Longhorns had numerous chances to win that game. They had droughts too, that lasted too long. Right. And UConn does what they do. They find ways to win. 
many of us believe that, see, what, what would happen if UConn gets challenged? What would happen if, if they're in a close game? Well, the very few times that they are challenged, they still find ways to win. <laughs> you know? So it's not like it happens. Now, last year's team, obviously, they lost in the semifinals on a game-winning shot. But they had won 111 games in a row. A handful of those during that long winning streak were closed games. So that means they still find ways to win. <laughs> so they can still get it done. And they're starting to play better. Non-conference this season, I saw some areas of concern. Coach Oriyama is finally getting more production out of his bench, which should really frighten many other upcoming opponents because that was one of their areas of weakness is the lack of bench production. He did not feel confident that he could go to player seven, player eight, and give them minutes and be get production positive production when on the floor. So that is changing. So if that's changing, how are you going to beat this team come tournament time? It's only a handful of teams that probably have a chance of beating them. I think Mississippi State is one. I think Baylor is one. And I do believe Longhorns could be another one. But outside of that, like I said, the February 12th matchup against Louisville, We'll see how Louisville's mentality and how they respond. They got talent. Got all American age door. And make sure I'm down. They can do it in terms of well, we'll, but we'll see if they get it down on the floor. Certainly we'll be in Columbus and certainly seems like you come with <coughs> we'll just see who who the other three teams are. Yeah, exactly. That's that's how I look at it. That's that's how that's my mindset. So until proven otherwise, UConn will be in in the final four in Columbus. So and well, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Doc, thank you as always for your insight. And one more time, we're mindful of trying to find you on the World Wide Web. Certainly. Catch me on social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find me on the weekly radio show from 545 to 715 on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD 2. Uh, you can catch it live. That's in the KCOH studio. You can catch it live on um, kcoh-tv.com as well as the Facebook live stream, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. You can also get all this information on thc-agency.com. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. HoustonRoundBallReview.com is the website. Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube. And Instagram, Twitter is the HR Review. We have our podcast page, KG, Fifthwood Wildcat, and Doc to check out. I also have my Houston Round Bar Review Facebook page as well. <clears throat> our podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pod Directory, Google Play. So if you have, we have different ways for you to listen to us and take us with you on your phone. So. Our podcast available. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for your retweet and sharing the links to the podcast. Thank you for we got kind words and, and kudos for our podcast from last week. We hope we can receive more of those in the future. We're going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.